G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Foundations. One thing that they really did do was they were seriously committed to the copying of Scripture. Mm. They, that was a major issue for them. They copied Scripture in exactly the same way that the scribes copied Scripture. Foundations. Understanding the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. With Robbo Robinson and Mandy Warby. There are lots of different religions and groups within those religions. In Christendom, we call them denominations. Islam has them, so does Hinduism and Buddhism, and so does Judaism. We've been learning about the different religious groups of Jesus' day, and so far we've learned about the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes. In today's program, we're going to start learning about the Essenes. These were a really curious and interesting group. What I've been able to research, at least, shows that they are essentially a breakaway group from the Pharisees, at least theologically closer to the Pharisees than any of the other groups. But they tended to lean more to the mystical side of their religious persuasion, a little bit exclusive, and they weren't around for a very long period of time. Mm. I've done a little bit of uh, research. I've looked for the Essenes in the Bible, and I can't find them. (laughs) So I'm wanting to find out where they fit, because they they aren't actually mentioned, like the Pharisees and Sadducees actually mentioned by Jesus, but the Essenes aren't. No, they're they're not. Well, basically, because they had secreted themselves away into the desert, and they were only around for about... 200 years at the most, they kind of came on the scene about 100 BC, and then you really don't hear of them again after the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. So, you know, less Mm. than 200 years, and they were here and then gone like a puff of wind, really. I mentioned when we were learning about the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes that those particular religious groups had become incredibly corrupt, and it was for that reason that the Essenes basically became established. They could see what was happening in these groups that that they were essentially a part of, again, primarily the the Pharisees, and they thought, we want nothing to do with this. Mm. These guys are so corrupt. They've gone so far away from God's law. And, of course, the Sadducees, they were so liberal and so political, they just wanted nothing to do with it. So they set up their own religious system where they could essentially stay together and not pollute God's word and basically just study the Bible together. That was the essence, but they wanted to do it away from everybody else. So they basically just withdrew from society and they established primarily, they were in a few places, but primarily they were established outside Jerusalem, a long way outside Jerusalem, actually at a place that we know of as Qumran. Mm -hmm. And this is where the Dead Sea Scrolls were actually found. Yeah, right. Okay. So they established themselves. It was in the um, the Judean wilderness, uh, right opposite the Dead Sea. They refused to have anything to do with the religious leaders, and they established a life of religious piety. So they're a bit like the monastics of Judaism in some respects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were. They were kind of like yeah, Jewish monks, so to speak. Mm. They had uh, their own high priest. And while the high priest was not allowed to marry, 
the rest of them were? There was no rule against the brothers coming in and, and okay. having wives and, and whatnot. Mm. They just lived very exclusively isolated lives. Yeah. I can't imagine that that would be a very attractive proposal, though, would it, for a guy to say, hey, <laughs> come and marry me, but we're going to live in the desert. We're going to live, you know, very <laughs> secret lives and not really have anything to our name. Like, you what? wouldn't imagine there'd be many wives or children floating yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. There, there wasn't a lot of record of what the wives and the children did because, <laughs> yeah, you kind of go, no, yeah, yeah, thanks for the proposal, mm. but yeah, no. Which may be why they died out pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Because, like, if you visit Qumran, they really did live very monastic kind of lives. They had vows of silence. They would eat in silence. They would have a ritual bath of this and then a ritual bath of that. And the whole of the side of Qumran is just riddled with, you know, ritual baths where they oh, were, right. you know, before dinner, after dinner, before scripture, after scripture, before we shear the sheep, after we've shot the oh, sheep, right. you know, they just <laughs> it was just like ritual bath after ritual bath yeah. going from one particular task to another. So, yeah, I can't imagine there would have been a lot mm. of women appealing to that. And the vow of silence, yeah. <laughs> that would have done it for the women. <laughs> I could imagine. <laughs> women have got to speak 10,000 words a day, don't they? Yeah, something like that. Or by midday or yeah. something <laughs> like that. So, yeah, they lived very Spartan lives and, they again, they ate in silence, very self-disciplined. And one thing that they really did do was they were seriously committed to the copying of Scripture. Mm. They, that was a major issue for them. They copied Scripture in exactly the same way that the scribes copied scripture. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, well, I mean, fantastic. you've mentioned the Dead Sea Scrolls. I mean, that's, you know, found around that area of Qumran, but those scrolls that were found were just incredible. Absolutely fantastic. Actually, I personally think that that was the greatest discovery, archaeological discovery of the 20th century. Mm. And we'll, we'll look at that a bit later on as well. So with all of these uh, acts of piety that they had, they had their own rules and regulations for the order of their day. So I guess they were breaking away from groups like the Pharisees because of their man-made laws, but in some respects they were actually creating their own in the process. So <laughs> they haven't really done anything new. They've yeah. just kind of said, well, we don't like your laws, but we'll make our own. Yeah, my laws are better than your yeah. laws. <laughs> yeah, they were very much like that. Mm. And it was kind of like they um, had this idea that they were – Somehow closer to God by mm. following all of these particular little extra rules and regulations for themselves. And very mystical in that respect as well, like sort of very. You know, looking at angels and you know, spiritual things, whatever. They're, so they're a lot more mystical in their uh, approach. Yeah, they were. They were a little fixated on angels and the end times. They were very excited at the coming of Mashiach. They were very focused on, on that. They considered that there would be this... Um, at the end of all things, there would be a battle between the sons of light and the sons of darkness. And, of course, they were the sons of light. Oh, without a doubt. Of course, and everybody <laughs> else was the sons of darkness. But they were very much looking forward to redemption and the establishing of a righteous kingdom. They didn't believe in free will, okay? So okay. as far as they were concerned, everything was preordained. Now, that doesn't mean that they believed that if you did something wrong, well, it was preordained, so you're not responsible for it. They still believe that you're responsible and accountable for anything that you do, any choices you make, but that it's all part of God's um, preordained um, sovereign will mm. and plan. Now, earlier I said that I couldn't find the Essenes in the Bible, but there is a passage which I wonder whether the Apostle Paul's actually you know, speaking about them in sort of like a veiled reference. There's a, a passage in Colossians chapter 2, 
verses 18 and 23, where it says, Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement and the worship of angels, taking his stand on visions he's seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind. These are matters which have, to be sure, the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. It's curious because some have actually suggested that maybe Paul was making Mm. a suggestion that, you know, there was an influence from the Essenes here. I don't know. All I know is is that the Essenes secreted themselves away in a small community in the Judean wilderness, and I don't know of any connection between the church that was mm. established in Colossae, yeah, which that's is a long in way Turkey. Yeah. Maybe there was some influence. I don't know. But what I do know is that in all religions, pagan and Christian, there have been elements or teachings that if you would debase yourself, if you would harm your own body, if you would deny yourself and somehow mm. make yourself suffer, that that is how you get closer to God. Yeah, That's been in, in all mm. religions. Yeah, that's right. So maybe it was an influence yeah. from the Essenes. I don't mm. know. But what I will say in, in this regard is that there are a couple of scriptures that come to mind. James 4.8 says that if we draw near to God, he'll draw near to us. And it doesn't say we have to do that by harming ourselves Mm. or debasing ourselves. And not only that, but Ephesians 2.13 says that we're brought near to God through the blood of Jesus. And again, not because we do something to hurt ourselves or deny ourselves, but because of what he did. Yeah, that's right. He hurt himself so we wouldn't have to. Exactly. Yeah, so... That's what I see in Scripture. Mm, That's a good point. So Paul was instructing the Colossian believers to reject anyone or any teaching that had to do with reverencing angels and also against, I guess you'd say, a monastic, ascetic lifestyle or practice of self-abasement or treating our own bodies in a a bad way to draw near to God. That was... That was never what mm. Paul was teaching, and he taught against it in Colossians. We've just started looking at the Essenes. We're going to continue exploring more about this group in our next program. And as mentioned, we'll talk some more about the Dead Sea Scrolls next time on Foundation. This has been Foundations, a look at the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. For study notes, resources and more, see vision.org.au slash foundations. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.